Virginia had like 800,000 people show up in the 2016 primary and had like 1.3 million people show up in this primary. And they were all moderate. They were like kind of centrist suburban voters and they came out in droves for Biden. Meanwhile, people under the age of 30 dramatically lower turnout and they didn't go for Bernie as hard this election as they did in 2016. So like no, I, I and that that depresses me a little because I want Bernie's movement to succeed. You know, it's like like in in certain respects, of course, not everything. But I do I do think it's it's worth looking at this and saying in 2018 we had a wave election and it was centrists. In 2020, the one person who's actually gotten mega turnout has been Biden, and that, that sucks. You know, I'm sure that so many people like that's annoying to hear, but it's. The truth it, that 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 is factually what happened. You're gonna say, "Oh wow, Darwin's trolling me," because Darwin, free speech deserves to be defended. Do you not believe in the idea of GDP and aggregate demand? Yes, you are a hundred percent wrong here. I know you don't like I'm it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you to start thinking about reality and not what you want to be true. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Lofty Darwinism. Uh, we are back. It is Super Wednesday hangover day from Super Tuesday yesterday. We're Joe. God, we've been wrong apparently the entire time. Slash, we were so exhausted choosing anybody else. Biden comes to the victory across America. My parents call me excited the day before the election. I finally make a decent bet on predict it. Clean up in Texas. Even though I still voted for my favorite person, Warren, um, who, you know, who's got some tough decision making. And then Darwin is out in California, you know, just just doing his thing. So how is California, buddy? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I voted at the uh, Ace Hotel uh, in downtown. Um, there was a long line of people outside that uh, they looked like they were from L.A. You know what I'm saying? Like it was... It was, a, it was a hell of a day to vote, man. Like, you know, I, I, I went to school in Boston, grew up in Texas, uh, live in California. All three states uh, voted yesterday. And I, I don't feel like I've ever seen anything like what has happened over the past like 72 hours in my entire life, Matt. Like, have you? No, um, because it's never had to happen before. I think like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the truth is... No one liked Hillary Clinton. The truth is, everyone didn't really like Bernie Sanders. But, like, I mean, look, there's Hillary Clinton has amazing qualities, but, like, it just was tough. She was running. Bernie Sanders was better than her because we were all a little pissed off about the whole situation. Now we're here. Bernie Sanders, not all that likable all the time, even if you agree with him, because he's going to tell you why he's morally correct all the time. Even if, yes, he is morally correct all the time, but no real way to get there. Is going to win the nomination, right? And everyone has, okay, fine. Let's stop dicking around here. Excuse my French. And let's just pick the somebody who can win. Because, like, we don't really all want to vote for Bernie Sanders because he's not who we're all going to make the best argument for. You know, even on top of everything else, and, like, I'm a Warren supporter, and this is why I put it on there. It's like, to assume that I'm going to go next to Bernie Sanders angers me on some level, right? And I can't be the only one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I feel like I know a lot of people who are, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, like, I feel like I know people who were, who were like Biden and Bernie were their number one and two, you know, like long before it got whittled down to those two. I, I think that 
we are I, I, we're voting about the bully pulpit as much when we're voting about the policy. I think that is that is like what we can all probably agree on with Biden. You know, like he's not he's not the guy with the policy that you like. He's the guy who you are excited to have someone who's just relaxed, chill, kind of maybe even a bit of an oaf, you know, like not be tweeting all the time, you know, like somebody you can laugh at, but who isn't, you know, locking kids up in cages, at least, you know, like that's the the hope, right? You know, like I, you Biden, know, Biden Darwin, is a likable yeah. guy. And Darwin, I think maybe let's just, let's just run with me here. This is a wild idea. Our entire country shouldn't be about the presidency or one man or one person. And that person's either incredible genius or incredible incompetence. And the fact that we have built up the presidency into that being the characteristic of what a president has to be is a disservice to all of us. Because those things don't ever really exist because it's, it is a collective job. And as we all prepare to die from the coronavirus, or really just our elderly um, and our children, um, you know, um, most likely, knock on wood, please, um, or not really. I hope no one dies. It's just the point. But either way, as we, as we approach this moment... Like, we weren't prepared because we were, we were living in a world where this particular president's special type of genius required him to do everything the opposite of what the last president did. And then no one wants to work for him. And then he has one really good Dr. Fauci at the top. And now we're all just here. So you know what? Like, I think this also, the coronavirus response, like the vote for Biden may have been about that. It's like, because you know who would have done better with this? Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like, uh, not to, you know, keep steering it back to this, because I've been actually working rather long on my next entry. But, you know, my list of 50, you know, like works of art of the decade, have I've been really plowing through what I think is my current take on modern culture. And I think... There's a nostalgia that's strong, that's running through us, our need to look back into the past and find some forgiveness. And I think that redemption, that is Joe Biden. He is the Obama presidency and all of your disappointment and all of the aspects of Obama that make you say, oh, I'm, I, I miss him, but I, I feel like he disappointed me on these levels. I, I think in many ways... Biden is the sense of saying, yes, Obama disappointed us, but we need to forgive that if we're going to be able to move past Trump because Trump is just such a fucking disaster. Right. And you know what the truth of it all is? Oh, there's a lot of truth of it. So, you know, it's truth. Is that you know who really disappointed us, Darwin, out of the Obama presidency? Us. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like. He's, his whole message was, you've got to be the change you want to believe in, right? And some people really kept working for it. And, and we got the Affordable Care Act passed. But a whole generation was to having to get into their careers, trying to recover from a terrible, you know, it was us going through a terrible, you know, job market, just getting by things, you know, in these big cities, you know, not being able to go to be the community organizer because things just kept getting more expensive. And even when they did... Like the federal bureaucracy just ate a lot of those kids up when they got to DC. I watched it happen, right? They go in trying to serve, and it just it was just a meat grinder. And 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 like 
and we gave up on some level and we let it just kind of be like, he was awesome. He's still awesome. Cause he's smart. Right. And, uh, you know, and so then we get Trump, uh, the response to, Hey, all the complacency that intelligence can possibly, um, muster in its own, like backfire of anger towards it. We get Donald Trump, right? Like, the anger of the intelligentsia in one person, at the intelligentsia in one person, is Donald Trump, right? Screw facts, screw science, screw truth. And uh, and Joe Biden is like a form of political person that we can we understand. Yeah, Maybe and I, 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 I've been now. really thinking about this, and you know, you know, like I, I think both of us have been pretty over the map in terms of our. Predictions. There was a time over the summer when I was pretty bullish on Biden. I think like most people, I'd eventually come to believe that, you know, he was just, I mean, you know, God, it was so like he got what? Fifth in Iowa, you know, like or fourth in yeah. Iowa, fifth in New Hampshire. I mean, I think all of us could be forgiven for believing that he was toast. But I, I, I think it's worth saying that like we're kind of lucky to have a politician like Joe Biden. You know, someone mm-hmm. who who he's got the name ID, he's lovable, he's he doesn't come across as threatening, you know, like he's he's a guy who you don't necessarily like a lot of people like you may not love him, but it's really hard to hate him. You know, he's he's a guy who's tried his whole life. Has he messed up? Yes. Like I keep seeing so many think pieces of, oh, he took this one position that is unmanageable now. But like, you know, he's just going to be a sponge. You know, he's going to surround himself with like wildly progressive people. And they're going to enact a lot of the progressive agenda that Bernie Sanders is fighting for. The thought of Pete Buttigieg and uh, and uh, and Beto O'Rourke and potentially Andrew Yang and all of these people in a Biden administration in these roles bringing together an actual team of rivals and a future generation of leaders in some level in some way doing what Obama never could. You know why Obama couldn't do it is because he was actually too young, right? He couldn't bring along people for the next generation because he was too close right and he was gonna always be all the oxygen in the room well you know who's not the ox all the oxygen in the room joe biden and you know where you know who has a lot of talent in right now is the democratic party like republicans want to hate it they want to act like it's no there's a lot of policy it's the only place people have been thinking about the truth in the close to the right level right like you know it could be better if there was a real conservative think tank out there still putting out policy that was worth a darn but like that died. So, you know, but, but there's a lot of smart people in the Democratic Party. There's a lot. And those people don't necessarily need to lead the whole thing. And someone like Joe Biden um, lets the ego of those people still be really important. And, you know, I, I, there's two metaphors I've made about Trump. But I also thought, you know, first, I always thought Trump was like the Michael Scott presidency. Um, but in truth, I think Biden's the Michael Scott presidency. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally Spring. agree with that. <laughs> and like, guess what? We're all going to be okay because we love Michael and he's like, gotta be motivational. Right. He's going to be a little awkward and it's just like, it's okay. Yeah, it's and, like, you know, I'm not fearful of a Biden presidency. You know, do I agree with him on everything? Absolutely not. You know, like I'm an individualist. I like the free spirit, but I, I also, I, I think that there, I want a public servant in there who solves problems. 
you know, like yeah, why do I need to agree on everything? Why would I be right on all the things? What's <laughs> like, well, never been true, Darwin? The history we have recorded all of the times we have been wrong, and both of us understand how many times that has been. So why would agreeing with me be a prerequisite to most almost anything? I came to first class reels. I was trying to find someone to do my reel for me. The reason I wanted to get my reel done was because every like agent I'd run into or manager would be like, so can I see some of your work? And I'd be like, I don't have a reel. When we were done and I sent it out to people I've been networking with and I got an agent out of it. And right now I'm talking to a manager after they've seen my reel. So it really was bang for my buck. Like I got exactly what I wanted. So first class reels, do it. You will not regret it. Trust me. Well, I, I, I agree with you on that. And to me, that is also like, uh, you know, again, I think everybody has been shocked. Like everybody, I think, has been shocked by just how fast everybody just lined up behind Biden. But, you know, he's not won it yet. Bernie is still in it. And even if Bernie didn't end up winning, it's still like he's still got a wing of the party. And I, I think I'm excited for there to be perhaps a substantive debate between these two because if i think what bernie has convinced me of one thing it is you know our healthcare system is so needlessly kafkaesque and draconian and you know there's just there's no good options for almost everybody single payer might be like a step in the right direction even from the standpoint of someone who doesn't believe in government takeovers most of the time right so I I would hope that Bernie can take this moment to make the case to us to the people because I think that what frustrated me was when he looked like the front runner I got really freaked because it did not seem like I was welcome in that coalition I didn't want to be a part of it per se and it didn't seem like he was running to be the guy who brings everybody together right like it, it I think that no. explains it as much as anything else it yeah, it was a total like, screw you. Obviously, this means I was right. Get on board, bitches. And it's like, no. Like, this isn't over. You you got two, like, two states. Two out of three ain't bad, but it's not enough. And it's just, and it's just, it, it, it's, it, I mean, it's just annoying. Like, it, he, it, to me, it's just so annoying. And it's like, we all kept splitting the vote and you had all these diehards. And then... And the process of keeping your diehards, you just didn't care about any of us. And unlike Republicans, we we all came together and we're still coming together to actually fight this battle out of like, you have to appeal to all of us. Right? And of course, There's, you know, like, I know that this is going to be like the low hanging fruit, most obvious point in the world, but there was an exit poll done and Bernie won the people who got their news primarily from Twitter by double digits. Uh, he lost significantly by double digits among those who did not get their news primarily from Twitter. And guess who made up the greater proportion of the electorate in all of these states? Oh, I mean, obviously not Twitter, because why the hell would that be true? Like, but why would that be true? Like why would the, Twitter ever? Yeah. If you work in a news organization, you are plugged into Twitter because that's obviously the place where it's easiest to disseminate and absorb a great amount of news all at once. But that's the problem is I think that there has been a massively missed quadrant of our electorate 
that has only come out in like voting scenarios that are not heard from as much. And in the, to those people, I think they are looking at Bernie Sanders and, and, and the style of his movement, I think is, is why he didn't run away with it. And he could still win it. And in fact, I, I feel a little sad seeing him get trounced like this. Cause so many of my friends are supporters of Bernie Sanders. I, like he's kind of, he's selling a vision of a utopia and utopia, utopia. I never really bought into in the first place, but I think it's cool to like march toward these goals. Right. Especially from the perspective of healthcare and inequality, right. And housing and homelessness. There are a lot of issues that I do want to see solved. Well, and I, and so here's, the next question um, that I have about this whole thing is like when we think about Elizabeth Warren and there's another debate coming up. Like, is it tomorrow night? No, no, no. It's um, like two weeks. It's, it's the fifteenth. It's the fifteenth. Okay, so that she should she shouldn't stay in that long. Um, I I would not say, but like, it you know potentially. I mean, but I thought if she, if it's if it's a sooner debate, she could learn how she could be a good moderating force between the two of them on that stage to guide the party in a much bigger way forward. And so she might be like, look, I'm going to stay in through the debate um, because I think we need to actually have a conversation, not a debate about how to heal this party. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to win the nomination, but I'm going to show all of you in all of the ways that I was the most qualified person for this job, but we all just didn't do it and it's okay. But even in, the, in proving that I'm just still going to be the bigger person the whole time, right? Like, I was like, I, I think I posted, I think I tweeted it. It's just like, look, I think Elizabeth Warren is the best. But part of the reason I think she's the best is because I'm going to vote for whoever comes out of this. And I expect her to do the same thing and work for that person and not burn the party down. God, to, and, you know, to, we to haven't even, it. like, ha- spoken since that that fateful debate in which, I mean, you know, God bless her for, for like kneecapping Bloomberg, you know, like, God bless a, her for that, yes. but boy, she could not have had the best debate of her life at the worst, at a worst possible moment, <laughs> you know, like well, it, yeah, right, it's... right before Nevada and all, everybody's already voted in Nevada. And then you go on to South, South Carolina, you know, like it, the timing could not have been worse for her, but you're right. Like she's a good debater. She's a good speaker. And I also feel like that debate is a great illustration of think why we need to have a different style of debates moving forward. The moderating this year has sucked so bad. Like oftentimes they they like they just interrupted an, a substantive argument and said, "We're going to move on to a completely different topic." And, you know, and then and then sometimes they would like ask stupid questions and then often they would let stupid rambling arguments Go on and on and on, you know, like, like you, it, I would love to see like a debate moderated by an Elizabeth Warren who dropped out, you know, like why not let Andrew Yang moderate a debate? Like, I feel like these are like awesome ideas to propel an actual ideas conversation forward rather than just whatever this nonsense debate format has been, it has been horrid yeah take the debates out of the tv network's hands they can run them if they freaking want to these should be run or by at the least parties. mix it up you know my god no, and like, like no, no no i would just know like they they are the wrong people to do this they, these are not like honestly no because they are a showcase of the party 
and the party can do what they want. And if they are too pro ya rah rah the party without any substance, they will get destroyed on that, and that'll be important. But like, you can't count on journalists to do anything, especially not anchors, to do anything but sensationalize, right? I would rather it turn into something that was too positive than this just bullshit crap that we did on the, half the time up there that wasn't that important, yeah. right? Like, I'd rather it be, I'd rather be, it be watching like. You know, you don't watch baseball that often, but like the home announcers in baseball are very pro home team, right? Mm. And like, I think in a situation like this where it's a party primary, the people need to be real pro home team because it's not about one person, it's about balancing all the interests, you know what I'm saying? In a way that is not what the moderators are doing. Well, look, look, I I like that the moderators are putting their feet to the fire so to speak i just think they're doing it in often sensationalized ways that do not like dig to the heart of any real issue which is i think why you need somebody like you know get someone like john stewart out there or even john oliver joe rogan people who actually have personalities you know like they do this for a living that is meant to kind of like provoke conversation and intrigue and they don't necessarily require themselves like like themselves to be so neutral to the point that it just becomes this this nonsense fest like i think that there could be so much more innovative qualities or like let rotating candidates like have one debate have one of the candidates moderate it and then like rotate a new one in for the next debate or like by half hour segments or just just something that gets us broken off of this format because it's a broken format to me what if we got a live tiger and we put it on the <laughs> stage and we Dude. just let the tiger chase the candidate and we gave the candidate the mic who the tiger was chasing well, and whoever I actually the think tiger that, was chasing got the mic. That's kind of closer to it because like you remember back in 2016, you know, I've talked to you about this before, but when Ben Carson missed his cue and all the candidates, all the Republican candidates were forced to think on their feet. Do they stay back or do they walk past him and grimace at him? And the only person who figured out not to do that was Donald Trump. And it was a moment like that that told us so much more about the candidates than everything that's being asked on that stage. All these nonsense. What's your platform this? What's your platform that? Do you remember 2008, Matt? The entire yes, primary right. was about – whether or not we should have an individual mandate for the healthcare system. Of so which, fucking stupid. Of which yeah. Hillary Clinton was a fan and Obama was not a fan. And then he went on to immediately pass Obamacare, the core feature of which was the individual mandate. And just think yes. about how much like Trump's policy agenda is divorced from how he ran his campaign. In fact, I think that's everybody's biggest critique of him. Is that – I mean, yes, it was a racist campaign, but it was also – a lot of people were like, oh, he's just bluster. But in reality, it's all this – you know, it's it's a Republican wish list. Like that's what you're going to get with Biden. It's not just – he's not just going to get in there and do nothing. He's going to be a sponge for the modern democratic movement, and we – I think we could do better having a conversation about what that movement is and, and what it ought to be. Yeah, it needs to be we, – we, we'll see what happens. I, I, I think that uh, it's just – it's all frustrating right now. It's all a little frustrating, but it's getting better. I was actually really heartened by Tuesday night because it just showed like people are engaged. You can't have a wave like that if people aren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. No, you I know, agree. Like, and it was crazy. Like, Virginia had, like, 800,000 people show up in the 2016 primary and had, like, 1.3 million people show up in this primary. And they were all moderates. They were, like, kind of centrist suburban voters, and they came out in droves for Biden. Meanwhile, people under the age of 30 dramatically lower turnout, and they didn't go for Bernie as hard this election as they did in 2016. So, like, no, I, I, and that that depresses me a little because I want Bernie's movement to succeed. You know, it's like like in in certain respects, of course, not everything, but I do I do think it's it's worth looking at this and saying in 2018 we had a wave election and it was centrists. In 2020, the one person who's actually gotten mega turnout has been Biden, and that, that sucks. You know, I'm sure that so many people like that's annoying to hear, but it's. The truth it, that 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 is factually what happened on Tuesday. Yeah, it happened, and he got the most turnout, and he got the most people, and he has the highest name ID, and it seems like trust, and maybe it is, and like I don't, you know, I really don't. I'm just, I'm over. I'm just, I'm over the toxicity I get from Bernie Sanders fans. Sometimes, not all of them, but it's whatever that I read. Yeah, a, like it's more, a I, like, lot I'm of an, I'm a, a, a fish fans for Bernie Sanders group. Like, don't just honestly, if you don't want to do it, and I'm not even a fish fan. I don't know how I got in this group. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, but like, it's this big fish fans for Bernie group. And it's like, I just, sometimes some of the shit that is said is just toxic. And it's not all people and you can't paint with that broad a brush, but like. But it's it's coming it's coming a little from the top, and it's not necessarily an indictment of oh Bernie Sanders is spreading all this vile hatred. But but just he's built into the movement such anti-establishment cred that everybody says oh wow great we'll like tear down the establishment and replace it with like the working class will have a vote and everything and that's great. But when you become the front runner, you suddenly have to like contend with the reality that a lot of the people that are going to be a part of your coalition don't think like you and so much of this past month have been has been filled with who's the greatest threat to bernie sanders how do we make that person look like such a horrific horrible person and they were you know like there was actually a pretty hilarious you know set of memes about pete Buttigieg being a rat elizabeth warren a snake Amy Klobuchar, yeah. Joe Biden. And it's just, yeah, like, it's funny, but it kind of, at a point, you kind of realize you're not really laughing. You actually kind of believe this vitriol, don't you? Oh, and no. The humor turns into the truth in the mind. That's, again, we will get into the debate we've had so often. And that's what that, Trump like, did. Trump was funny. Trump was funny, yeah. but the vitriol got too much and, and it wasn't being checked. And, and the difference, of course, is that Bernie himself wasn't really engaging in any like specific new like like vitriol but so many of his supporters were and i think everybody all of us know somebody like he just he's attracted so much to his campaign of people who are genuinely not emotionally healthy and i think that he needed to have a moment where he really realized specifically in like the day after nevada Hey, I could win this thing 
I need to suddenly demonstrate that everybody else who's not part of my movement can be a part of it and feel good about themselves. And I and that was not forthcoming from him, from any of his supporters, especially. And that was a that was, I think, a huge reason why Biden. And again, like I mean, I don't know. Like I, I think well, because it's, it's my biggest it's, problem with Donald Trump. Fuck right. everything else he does. It's just if you cannot be gracious. And the bigger person in a bad situation for one minute, not just when things went well, but if you can't be that person, you should not be our president. And Bernie too often, in my opinion, exhibits those qualities. But he also just may be fighting because I do think in office he might not, he, he would actually probably compromise more and he'd be way better than Trump, right? But right now what I need is someone who is willing to compromise and willing to work. And I just keep going back to it over and over again. The Will Rogers quote of, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a member of an organ, any organized political party. I'm a Democrat, right? Like, I'm, yeah, and people just know, people don't like to be fit, like made to feel like they're stupid. And I think that's so much of what like the leftist critique is, yeah. is a critique in which you either get it or you don't. And if you don't get it, then you're stupid. Like I, it, it's, it's hard not to take that away from every version of the critique. And like, think about this, Matt, Steve Bullock just announced that he's going to run for Senate in Montana. You know, you have the opportunity, not right. Like this election, not just to win big with these suburban voters who delivered in 2018, but to actually bring the Senate along with you right. and to have a genuine democratic majority that has a lot of these like progressive policies as they're underlining right. because thing. you know you really like, don't need <laughs> medicare for all and i'm for it but you need the threat of it which all you need is a public option and then you need to give like the insurance companies the ability to set the rates the same way a public option can set them and be like all right compete go like if you can win win be better for the customer right like but like right now, like we just don't have it. And you could do all you needed to do with an aggressively good public option, right? Well, and, and I think that's just you know that, if it automatically also, covered anyone who was uncovered, it just put them on a plan right then and found a way to back in them into the coverage. You know what I'm saying? It was just an aggressively better public option that covered all the gaps. Because it's amazing to me that we allow the private insurance companies to 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 not pay for the poorest and sickest and oldest and then be like, your costs keep going up every year. Well, okay. So, um, I think that also another part of this is like, think about it from the generational battle, right? Like you and I, theoretically, we kind of ought to be Bernie fans just in terms of representing our generation, right? You know, like that's a big part of how this is being framed. But I, I think that's why I liked Andrew Yang so much is because he was a populist. He was saying a lot of the same things that Bernie was saying, but he was – I felt like he was of my generation. And I feel like yes. Bernie Sanders is of the older generation just from a different wing. You know, like – And he's got, uh, Sanders hasn't updated his ideas. Sanders hasn't updated the understanding of when markets can work better as well as Andrew Yang has. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, you know, it's just – He's like you talk about smart. inequality, you talk about, you know, like the, the growing capital divide. Why not respond to that by a blanket, let's respond with less bureaucracy and just redistribute it with the, like so much liquidity, it just like evens everything out. A thousand bucks a month 
may not seem like a lot, but if everybody suddenly has a thousand dollars a month and it's all just flowing, then everybody yeah. can like start taking advantage of you know, like the problem right now is that so much of capital is tied up in huge estates that are just sitting there that you know like a person just has this There's, you know like and, and, and the rest of us are screwed. just like yeah we're, and like the coronavirus is the number one example of why the UBI is so necessary right like we're going to talk about handing companies money to like pay for workers no you know what like we cannot afford capitalism dude this is like we can't afford how efficient we are because the moment we all have to be sick and not infect everybody, we shut down the fucking entire economy and we have not built the auto stabilizers like we should in, for this moment to fix it because government bad. Yeah. And like I just I don't know. Like I, I just I think that my critiques of overregulation still stand like I went and saw Bill Maher. Yeah. The other sure. day um, in person and. AB5, which you may not know what that is, but that a well-intended bill to reclassify independent gig workers as employees, because obviously there are a lot of companies that use that designation to screw employees out of, you know, healthcare and rights and, you know, fair wages and everything. But it's just destroyed half of the jobs in California. And I had to fill out like an entire volume of paperwork to get 28 bucks because incidentally I was able to get paid to go see Bill Maher. I was going to go for free and then it just worked out this way. <laughs> you know, but like, nice. but like that, that, that's, that's kind of like – that's part of the bureaucratic nightmare that I would expect from a socialist presidency like Bernie Sanders. Yes, he's going to go in. He's going to fight for me, but he's going to like – he's going to do it with ideas that frequently have been tried and have unintended consequences in the past. So I like the populism in spirit, but I want it from someone who understands how this is going to kind of happen in the real world, which is why like a UBI just makes way more sense to me, you know, like, and, and, and I, I think like a lot of people, I'm moving away from whatever libertarianism or flirtation with the Republican party is like good and sensible. Like, no, the GOP is an evil party. They're evil, and I'm ready for them to get combusted upon the rocks of history. But in order to, for that to happen, I want to believe that the next person isn't going to make things worse. I don't think Bernie Sanders would make things worse, but I have a lot of faith that Joe Biden is the best timeline. He's the good timeline to me, the, the timeline in which we all just take a chill pill, relax, and just say, well, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. We have to actually – and he might even be way better at Actually than do it. Yeah. You know, we like, got to do it. Yeah. No, he we, might be better than Obama because Obama was so much promise, right? I don't have false promise in Joe Biden. I mean we're going to have to work. Well, and We're but, but Biden can also like he can survive negative news cycles. I think that's the thing about like Biden that has consistently been the thing I've said to you, Matt. Like, bad shit can come out of a Biden, and then nobody's opinions change, and that's like a su a superpower he, that he shares with only one other person, and that's Donald Trump, and maybe Rod Blagojevich. I don't know, like <laughs> you know, like but. I, I, he can go out there. He can make the case. He can make mistakes and still survive to the next day to fight again. And he might actually be able to use that in a way to get a lot of shit done that Obama couldn't because Obama was kind of protecting a brand the whole time. And he did it so far without actually having to defend his son. Really? Like he's gotten through this whole thing. And then when he gets one-on-one -on -one with Trump, if he can figure it the hell out, he's going to be like, are you kidding me? We're going to compare kids. Right. I've got yeah. one son who died in a war and the other son took some checks 
like to be on a thing, like to be on a board. Uh, and, and I never even talked to him about it. Whereas your kids are flying around the world doing business on your behalf, using the presidency like a fucking bank account. So if we're going to talk here, he's going to go at him. And I, and I think that we're going to have to teach Joe to make the case. Yeah. Well, that, because... that's, again, that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like Joe Biden is a sponge that can filter the Democratic Party's ideas in a way that may not be perfect. Maybe he gets up in there and does a lot of big government stuff that's stupid. I don't know. But it's not, it can't be worse than what's happening right now. I mean, you, I'm looking at my Twitter feed, and I'm seeing pictures of ICE agents going through hotel or apartment complexes in New York with assault weapons. You know, like the shit that Trump is doing right now is obscene, and I'm, I'm ready for that to end. I'm ready for that yeah. to end, and I think we can all say that we're ready for that to end, and I, I think that's what makes a possible Biden presidency exciting. And even if it were Bernie, even if Bernie comes back and wins it, like I hope that both of these candidates make an effort to actually engage with the other side because Biden needs well, policy – he needs solutions and Bernie needs to – he needs his movement to have leadership in it that is like – and I think you saw this from him today. Like he's talking about like – like he's talking about like the spiritualism that Joe Biden brings, like the be nice, be kind. Like all of these things have been missing from the Bernie Sanders platform and he needed – like he, we need that in our society. And I, I, I hope that he brings that. So that maybe if he does come back and win and convinces everybody that we need medical care for all or something like that, he might be a better candidate and a better president from that experience, from having to actually take on Joe Biden and cut into his lead with black voters and suburban voters and people who are like tired of the vitriol. Well, on that note, as I will leave you thinking about this, uh, it was reported by the Daily Beast from Majority Whip Jim Clyburn, Sanders never courted my endorsement. So, if we think that he is the kind of person who's going to do that, I think we're sadly mistaken. As we said about Donald Trump, once somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And I, there's, a lot of admirable, there's a lot of admirable stuff about Bernie Sanders. And one of the most admirable things about Bernie Sanders is he's been the same damn person his entire life in public office. And because of that, we know who he is. And there, right now, we have a better alternative. And he has not convinced us that he is the better alternative. And until he does, and I'll still vote for him. I'll f I will totally vote for Bernie Sanders if he wins this nomination. But he has to go freaking win it, which was actually my number one problem with him in 2008 or 2016 when he ran, is that he didn't think he was going to win. He was just running. And then he got close, and he started to catch fire because you know who what they because didn't like Hillary. So that's my part. I'm out on my end, and we we are going to have to you know record again in like ten days or faster than that to see what the yeah, hell happens even faster than that yeah like by the time this gets out warren she'll probably be out you know like like i agree she could be formidable on that debate stage but i feel like that's the only reason for her to stay in i just don't know that she's going to you know like yes well do, do that from, to herself <laughs> yeah, and well if you want by the way we should add this to every podcast and if you want to engage with us find us on facebook at lofty narcissism like share review us on itunes um, we're, we're somewhere in Hong Kong. Hopefully they're sitting there listening to us while they're in quarantine. If they have to, this will be one. We haven't given them enough uh, on the charts in a while. 
Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Please do engage with us. We're talking always about the intersection of politics and aesthetics. Yeah, Facebook is a great is our is our best platform. So get on, get us. Yeah. All right. Lock to Darwinism. Lock to Darwinism.